Blog Talk Radio. Knowledge is being buried. Truth is being hidden. Schools where truth and knowledge are supposed to be exposed are being covered by nepotism, favoritism, politics, and racism. And Africans continue to suffer at the hands of this oppressor. How could something like public schools go so bad so quickly in front of our very eyes? Maybe because it was never what it seemed to be. Let's unplug our minds from this racist matrix and find wisdom, knowledge, and truth in the mind beneath the school with your host, Mama Adana Aina Aluwasi. Also, this type of so-called Negro, by being intoxicated over the white man, he never sees beyond the white man. He never sees beyond America. He never looks at himself uh, or where he fits into scenes on the world stage. He only can see himself here in America, on the American stage or the white stage, where the white man is in the majority, where the white man is the boss. So this type of Negro is always feels like he's outnumbered, or he's the underdog, or he's the minority. And it puts him in the role of a better, uh, a cowardly, humble, uh, uh, Uncle Tommen better on anything that he says is, uh, that sh- should be his by right. Whereas there is, uh, when it comes, he, uh, he, he wants to be an American rather than to be black. He wants to be something other than what he is. And knowing that America is a white country, he knows he can't be uh, black and be an American too. So he never calls himself black. He calls himself an American Negro, a Negro in America. And usually he'll deny his own race, his own color, just to be a second-class American. He'll deny his own history, his own culture. He'll deny all of his brothers and sisters in Africa, in Asia, in the East, just to be a second-class American. He denies everything that he represents, or that everything that was in his past, just to be uh, uh, accepted into a country and into a government that has rejected him ever since he was brought here. Well, this Negro is sick. He has to be sick to try and force himself among some people who don't want him or to be accepted into a government that has used its entire political system and educational system to keep him relegated to, a, to the role of a second-class citizen. And therefore, he spends a lifetime begging for acceptance into the same government that made slaves of his people. He gives his life for a country that made his people slaves and still confines them to the role of second-class citizens, 
And we feel that he wastes his time because he hasn't been trained to defend himself. He has only been trained to open up his mouth in defense of his master. He hasn't been educated. He's been trained. When a man is educated, he can think for himself and defend himself and speak for himself. He doesn't even know where his government is because he doesn't know that he ever had one. He doesn't know where his country is because he doesn't know that he ever had one. He believes in exactly what he was taught in school, that when he was kidnapped by the white man, he was a savage in the jungle someplace eating, eating people and throwing spears and with a bone in his nose. And the average American Negro has that concept of the African country. It is not his fault. This is what has been given to him by the American educational system. He doesn't realize that there were civilizations and cultures on the African continent at a time when the people in Europe were crawling around in the caves going naked. He doesn't realize that the black man in Africa was wearing silk, was wearing slippers that he was able to spin himself, make himself, at a time when the people up in Europe were going naked. He doesn't realize that he was living in palaces in, on the African continent when the people in Europe were living in caves. He doesn't realize that he was living in a civilization in Africa where uh, science had been so far advanced, especially even the astronomical sciences, to a point where Africans could cut the course of the stars in the universe when the people up in Europe still thought the Earth was round, the planet was round or flat. He doesn't realize the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the advancement and the high state of his own culture that he was living in. He knows nothing about that. He knows nothing about the ancient Egyptian civilization on the African continent or the ancient Carthaginian civilization on the African continent, or the ancient uh, civilizations of Mali on the African continent, civilizations that were highly developed and produced science, scientists. Uh, the uh, Timbuktu, the center of the Mali Empire, was the center of learning at a time when the people up in Europe didn't even know what a book was. He doesn't, he doesn't know this because he hasn't been taught. And because he doesn't know this, when you mention Africa to him, well, he thinks you're talking about a jungle. And I went to Africa uh, uh, in 1959 and didn't see any jungle and didn't see any mud huts until I got back to Harlem in New York City. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of The Mind Beneath the School. I'm your host. Mama Donna Aina Alawasi, and you know before we get started with the show, we have to, not have to, but uh, if we should have to and want to pay homage to our ancestors and those spirits so that it will be a productive and welcome show. We call upon our ancestors far and near, fathers of our fathers, mothers of our mothers, to bear witness to what we have done and by their example to continue to inspire us toward reclaiming our African minds, regenerating our African spirit, liberating our homeland, and reclaiming our greatness as a people. We pour this libation to bring into our midst the venerable African spirit radiating their great wisdom, courage, dedication, and unyielding commitment to victory by any means necessary. It is in the honor of our ancestor, our creator, our children and their children that we pour this libation. For the creator and the various manifestations of the creative spirit, we pour this libation. For our esteemed ancestors who laid the foundation for human civilization and who provided the wisdom by which we live and the models by which our lives are guided, we pour this libation. 
for our esteemed ancestors who suffered the atrocities and horrors of our Mayafa, the African Holocaust, and yet demonstrated the victorious power of the African spirit against adversity by maintaining their dignity no matter the cost. We pour this libation for those ancestors who survived and made it possible for us to be here today to continue on their valiant struggle for African liberation and vindication. We pour libation, and finally we pour libation for our children and their children and future generations of Africans to come, that they too in their time will vindicate our race from all adversaries and continue to imprint upon the world the great genius of African humanity. We pour libation, and may their venerable African spirit engulf this occasion to reaffirm our African spirit. It is done. Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. Good evening, brothers and sisters. Another episode of The Mind Beneath the School. Uh, I am here with you until the bewitching hour. <laughs> Of twelve o'clock, we had. I have a lot to talk about or bring to your attention today about what's happening in in, in Philadelphia. Um, don't really have much news. It's no news really coming out of um, City Council. Uh, I I actually would like to bring you news from. Uh, where the area, the community where I work, which is Grays Ferry, there have been there's been a lot of uh, violence uh, against children, and I uh, have not had this many children being harmed in my uh, career, teaching career, ever. Uh, it's almost become almost one one a month that uh, have been hospitalized through violence of some sort, whether it uh, is shooting or or beating up or whatever it might be. Um, They had uh, a um, symposium at my school, um, and I'm really going to talk about this next week. I'm I'm really hoping for a special guest, Dr. Jalal Hale, Jalal Hayes will be with me again next week. Young brother, youngest black man to gain a PhD from Delaware State University will be with me on on uh, line again next week. It'll be another special two-hour series. We're going to talk about the uh, 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 association between young Africans, teenagers, and the police here in, in Philadelphia. And um, anyway, they had uh, people from different realms of uh, law enforcement in Philadelphia, uh, young lawyers from University of Pennsylvania. They had policemen, black policemen. They had uh, retired district attorneys, assistant district attorneys. Uh, they had a nice, you know, uh, mixture. And then, of course, we had students, uh, chosen students, to uh, around 50 to um, represent the school. Um, I had a few things that I that I, I brought to their attention. Um, 
and some of the things that they talked about after opening remarks. Uh, they had uh, broken off into smaller groups. I did not attend any of the smaller groups, um, but uh, Why Education and Getting Involved Matters, Youth and Law Enforcement Panel, Introduction and Discussion, and that's what that was. And it was Philadelphia First Assistant District Attorney George Moses, Jr., uh, was uh, uh, the MC for, for that particular um, uh, segment. And um, on the back, they had some advice, tips for police officers and tips for young people. And um, the tips that they had for police officers as far as dealing with young people was remain calm, uh, try to keep your emotions in check, give directions one at a time, give youth one direction, give giving youth one direction at a time will increase the chances that they will follow the directions. And then finally explain, tell them why you are there as soon as possible, wherever it may be, that you encounter uh, young people. This can help avoid escalation and help youth remain in control of their feelings and behavior. Um, and then it has tips for young people. Think carefully and follow the directions. Politely assert your rights. Keep your hands visible. Avoid sudden movements. I have a problem with that one. Uh, and remember, ask if you're under arrest. Remember the officer's name, badge number, and patrol number. Write everything down, ASAP. The um, one that I want to talk about before I, I move on, because uh, we're going to talk about this at length next week, is to think carefully and follow directions. This is a tip for the young people. Think carefully about your words. Uh, I want to talk about words. We live in a culture The main part of how we communicate is our words It isn't writing It isn't us writing It isn't us reading somebody else's writing The main, it isn't really body language Although you can read people's body language But the main way that we communicate with each other Is through Words, the all interpretation of words. Okay, and I would like to say that we have lost our ability to communicate with words. Social media, the advent of social media, because it was leading up to this anyway, where we have slowly but surely divorced ourselves, removed ourselves from using words. It has come down, there there was a writer, a late white writer, by the name of Samuel Beckett. And Samuel Beckett, to to, kind of make a synopsis of this, he he felt that we we had too many words. And that we had so many words that we didn't understand what we were saying. And that people could communicate backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. And he had Waiting for Godot. He had all of these different uh, plays that he he had based on people having unnecessary conversation. And that basically you could sum up everything in a few words. And he did in the play. I can't remember the name of the play, but basically the curtain went up. 
there was a spanking of a baby, and then the curtain went back down. There was an old lady there that came on the stage, and then the curtain came back down. And he was saying that that interpretation could be done entirely without any words at all. And it was a it was a vignette, you know, it was one of many vignettes that he had that it, it, he was showing how language is useless. And to a certain extent, I, I, I agree and understand that we have so many words that they have become, that they were becoming useless. But now I think we have gone to the other extreme, that words have become so useless that we don't know how to use the ones that are useful anymore. We have replaced language with with profanity, where profanity is now acceptable. It is an acceptable means of communication. And I'm not saying that there are some curse words that don't fit in a proper situation. What I'm saying is that it has become the way that we communicate. You know, that that, that you, there, there are six or seven profane words in a sentence that doesn't make any sense at all. And the only thing, <coughs> excuse me, that profanity does, and I don't care what anybody says, and I, I, I welcome a discussion about it, that profanity does is invoke anger and violence. Because if, in fact, you don't know how it is that you're using the profanity, if, in fact, you're, you're using this profanity to express to somebody how you feel about something, and you are using profanity, eventually you are going to put three or four profane words together and you are going to insult and induce that person that you were speaking to to act on those words. It is usually always violent. Okay, I was asking more of it's usually violent. It is usually whatever it is that you are provoking Okay, if you are trying to explain to somebody or trying to express an emotion or a feeling and you're using profanity, it is going to invoke an angry response from that person. I question, okay, or I invite, and the lines are open. You may call me at any time, 516-418-5575. Again, 516-418-5575 if you're up to have this discussion and dialogue with me. Having said that, most of the music, most of the TV shows these days, most of the, 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 the movies contain profanity. They contain violence. Does this Is this an excuse? Yes, when you're surrounded by it. When you are surrounded by emotion and emotional violence, when you are surrounded by words that provoke emotional violence, then, in fact, when you actually have an encounter with another human being, okay, when you actually have an encounter with somebody else and you're not used to expressing yourself. See, that's the other thing. Back in, 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 in when I was a kid... You talked to people. You were constantly talking to people. You were constantly using your vocabulary. 
You were constantly engaged in communicating with people. These days you could go a whole day almost and not talk to anybody. You could sit right in your house, which, you know, that is your choice, and never communicate with anybody and have everything brought to your door if, in fact, you set it up that way. In school, you know, your engagement, okay, uh, 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 with the teacher and student, you know, we are constantly having uh, workshops on, on, on asking questions of students, higher-level questions. But if, in fact, you are not really communicating outside of the classroom, if you are not practicing and honing this craft, and it is a craft, communicating is a craft, and you are not communicating on a regular basis, you constantly texting, you constantly on Instagram, you constantly on Facebook, you are constantly talking to people with shortened acronyms, almost to the point that you forget what they stand for. You just remember where to place them, LOL. SMH, you know, and, and, and then pretty soon they, they take on a life of their own. And then finally when you're approached by a human being, well, then you haven't been practicing talking, and so therefore you're caught for words. And then that's it. As soon as I tell my students this all the time, when you run out of vocabulary, you start to curse. And if, in fact, you're in a heated discussion back and forth, and you run out of words and you start to curse, and you run out of those, then it becomes violent. So I agree with this point or this tip. Think carefully. The whole sentence, think carefully and follow directions. I, they could have left it at think carefully. When students are talking to me and it looks like the, the, the conversation is getting ready to get escalated, especially where I know it's getting ready to go, and I ask them a hypothetical question, and I'm looking for a response. In other words, we're, we're kind of going back and forth here, usually with me and in my capacity uh, dealing with behaviors and trying to help students fix behaviors, okay? One of the first things I say is choose your words carefully. Always think about what it is that you're going to say before you say it. I had a student today, and I was very, I was very proud of him because he felt, you know, he said, because it, it, we were going back and forth, getting a little heated, and he said, um, if we keep talking, you know, he's going to hurt my feelings. And I said, son, you don't have the vocabulary to hurt my feelings. And then he made a derogatory remark about my dreadlocks, and then I made a derogatory, a really nasty derogatory remark about his about his hat. I didn't curse. I used words that he was not familiar with, and I said, see, that's what I'm saying. You don't have the vocabulary to hurt my feelings. You don't, you, you have no idea what door you have opened up. The, the the pride came and the fact that he stayed. Usually I kind of lose him, you know, they walk out of class, whatever, you know, but he stayed and then he did his work, you know, and then usually after that happens, I kind of like let you marinate in that for a minute because so many of my students have to think about what it is that I'm saying, you know, and, and, and uh, before, you know, after we go back and forth. But now because, you know, we're in high school, 
I don't have that much time. I don't have that much time to, to really, I, I need for you to feel what it is that I'm saying. And vocabulary is very important. And so the only way for you to really understand the importance of vocabulary is to go back and forth with somebody who has one, which is another thing. So many grown adult Africans do not have a vocabulary. Their vocabulary is almost as limited as my students. Okay, there is no communication. There is no, you know, kids are babysitted by that TV set and by that and by that telephone and by that laptop. Communication is very little. And I'm going to leave that again for next week. But I I did want to bring that out, you know. Uh, but overall, I'm I'm hoping that my uh, the students that were involved in that did gain something from that, um, and we will talk about that at length next week. But anyway, that was my, you know, uh, what happened this past week uh, info. Um, there is another thing that I wanted to bring up. I, I It does deal with education to a, a certain extent. Uh and it's this election. Uh, Donald Trump is becoming, is getting closer to being the president of the United States, and I don't. And it seems that we are once again being left with the choice of two people: Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. I'm going to tell you something. Well, Donald Trump is an idiot. He's a wealthy idiot, and he is a wealthy idiot that has tapped in on something and has moved right in to where he's not even denouncing the Ku Klux Klan because he knows that the people that are voting for him are Klan or love the Klan. You ain't really said nothing bad by saying that, you know, you're not denouncing, you know, David Dukes and said that people who follow him need to put their vote towards uh, Donald Trump and of course the David Duke at one time uh, uh, was a political figure in the South and uh, was also the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan the new Klan and you know he had a suit and tie Klan but it was still the Klan so anyway this is this is about 20 years ago but anyway he came he's, he's, he's resurfaced and he threw his, his, his endorsement towards Donald Trump and Donald Trump, instead of saying, you know, oh, well, I'm not for the Klan, I'll, you know, in case you didn't know what happened, he said, well, I, I need to know more about it. What you need to know about the Klan? And that automatically told me, I said, boy, I said, this guy right here, he wants that white vote because he thinks that he's tapping in on a white vote that is very angry after having eight years of a black man. Now, I'm going to say this. We may think, okay, that there ain't enough white folk to put that man in office. And I'm angry because I don't want to give Hillary Clinton my, my, my vote. But if things go the way that they're going, Donald Trump does have enough people, white people, because as I have said in past weeks, 
Yes. He had a a, a, a thing with about seventeen, fifteen thousand, seventeen thousand people. All of them people in that audience were not rednecks, and all of them weren't high school dropouts, and all of them didn't drink corn liquor, and 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 all of them wasn't you know uh, you know uh, hanging out at the rodeo. MSNBC, who I'm kind of pissed off at right now for what they did to Melissa Perry, but that's another story. Um, I, I'm still watching them. You know, they kind of, like, represent the Democratic side of things. And they were showing, they, they, they're showing all these ignorant, but all of those white folks that, that are following Donald Trump are not ignorant. <clears throat> and, the, and, and, and the ones who have college degrees just ain't filling out those, those polls that they take. You know, when you vote, a lot of times when you're leaving, they'll, they'll, you take a poll. And I'm telling you now, there's, there's white people that you deal with every single day. This was my point. There's white people that you ride the bus with. There's white people that you work with, that you work right there in the next cubicle. There's white people. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. And in, in, as far as teachers in Philadelphia are concerned, and I will say this, Okay, there is no doubt in my mind that some of them are voting for Donald Trump. They may not say it. They may not admit it because of, you know, their environment. But a lot of people don't tell the truth about their politics. But he don't have just rednecks voting for him. He just won Vermont. Ain't no rednecks in Vermont. Vermont is 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 where Bernie Sanders is from. He just won Massachusetts. You can't get more liberal. Massachusetts is where they first started uh, 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 legalizing gay marriage. Who's voting for him? Who 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 is actually casting these votes for this man in those states? Those are the states that we need to pay attention to. You don't need to worry about Georgia and all the rest of them. I know that there's rednecks down there, but I want to know who is voting for this man in Vermont and Massachusetts, and I live in Pennsylvania, and they're coming this way. They're coming this way. Somebody's voting for them. All them white people wasn't hidden. They wasn't hiding. The only thing that was secretive was their vote. The only thing that you don't know is what their faces look like. You may think that you know by watching, you know, white folks at the rodeo and, you know, and yeehaw and all that kind of stuff and, 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 I'm voting for Donald Trump, and they get them ignorant white boys and, and, and women on television scratching their behinds and talking about how they voting for Donald Trump. Those ain't the ones that you need to fear. Ain't a lot of them. Donald Trump is winning by double digits across this country, across this nation. He is winning by double digits. He's killing them. He isn't just like winning just a little bit. He's wiping them out in droves. Who's voting for this white man? Who is voting for this idiot? 
the people who don't have a face, those are the ones that you need to worry about. You thought that we was in trouble with Nixon. You thought that we was in trouble with Eisenhower. You thought that we was in trouble with Woodrow. I thought we was in trouble with Woodrow Wilson, and I could go all the way back. We don't even know what trouble is if this white man gets into office. Now then, there's that other side. You know, because you got white people that's been Republican all their lives that say if Donald Trump wins, they're going to vote for Hillary Clinton. I still want my agenda read. It seems like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Something is very, this whole, this whole election has just been crazy. And I'm still holding on to my vote. They're explaining delegations and delegates on here, and it, Republicans cheat anyway. You know, when things ain't going their way, that's how, that's how Nixon almost got impeached and was allowed to resign. Because they cheat. They don't play fair. They have a history of that. Nixon was winning by landslides and decided to send somebody up there to, to burglarize Watergate, the Watergate Hotel. You was winning by a landslide and you still was too afraid and you cheat. Something is going to happen with this man here, Donald Trump, because the, 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 the Republican and the, the politics that they have do not align up, and they they're fearful of this man, and something is something dumb is going to happen because the Republicans do implode. They're imploding now. They're imploding now. Having said that, I still want Hillary to. I want an agenda to be given to Hillary, a black agenda, Black Lives Matter. I still want her to address. Because she needs our vote. Without our vote, she may not win. Without the dark vote, the people who are darker than white, that's Africans, that's Latinos, that's that's Asians, I don't care who it is, without that vote, she cannot win. Because Donald Trump has enough white people, the ones that we see on television and the ones that we don't see, that will vote for him. And that makes him very dangerous. And as I said before in weeks past, it's the people who are voting for him that I am fearful of. They are out to make a point. They are tired of the status quo. They didn't had a black man for eight years. They slept. And as weak as many of Obama's policies were, it, it was enough to piss them off. They they getting pissed off over that week behind video that Beyonce did. They getting pissed by anything that is black right now. And I said, see, they they just they just angry, and they gonna vote for the the one that that nobody would suspect, and that's Donald Trump. That's anger. That's being pissed off, and they have awoken. And 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 as the, the the Japanese said when they bombed Pearl Harbor, I am afraid that we have aroused a sleeping giant, and he is awakened with a great resolve. He is pissed. 
It has been eight straight years of a black man, and they have awoken from this, and they are pissed off. Do I care? No, not really. But they're pissed. Now, the thing about that is, and then I'm I'm going to move on to what I wanted to really talk about in this, this short segment, is... Um, is all the things that follow behind Donald Trump. You see, when you start voting like that and you start, this this is where it's going to maybe break down. You give credence to those things which we thought we had laid to rest. I believe that violence against black people is going to increase. I believe that. I believe that as this vote goes on and Donald Trump gets stronger and stronger and he ain't going to denounce nobody, that's that's a, a, a white supremacist. He ain't putting down the Klan. He's let, <clears throat> he wants to build a wall between us and Mexico. He wants to throw all the Muslims out. I mean, when you put all that together, you know, that's that's putting a bullseye on anybody who is darker than white. That's what he's doing. He's 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 putting us and putting everybody on notice that we are going to take this. this. Is what he said. We're going to make America great again. What does that mean? That's not even a code. We taking our America back. That's what he said. That's not code. He ain't talking to me. He knows he doesn't have my vote. He ain't talking to you. He's talking all the what did he say? What did he say? He got this say, I love people who, with low education. I I love the low uh, educated. That's an insult. And they applauded him and cheered him. They anything that this man say, the evangelicals. You know all the white people that the Bible beaters. The ones who used to lynch us with a Bible in their hand had a rope in one hand and a Bible in the other. They're about to rise again. That's why David Duke said to all the people who's clan, so they vote toward this man. When is the last time that the KKK has actually endorsed a presidential candidate? Never. We always knew that if they was voting for somebody, probably be a Republican. It's been, it's been, it hasn't been since before Roosevelt that the Klan has actually had a say so and endorsed people that were running. George Wallace, I think, is the last one that have actually endorsed presidential candidates. They are endorsing this man, and he is not saying go away. He's saying, come on. And what does that mean? It's open season. It's going to be open season. It's It's going to be a hot mess from the police to the to the judges that are going to be nominated and picked. I ain't talking about the Supreme Court. I'm talking about the state. I'm talking about the cities. I'm talking about those appointments that are going to be made if this man gets into office, if he actually, in fact, makes his way to the White House. And he is on his way. I did not want to give 
And I'm still not because I still want her to stand up and say what she's going to do for us. I want her to earn that. But we need to be afraid of Donald Trump. Okay, like I said, because he's, he's winning by, he's winning in droves. And we need to make sure that we are registered and whatever the outcome is, we need to make sure that we vote. We must vote. And is it the lesser of two evils? Yes. If you want to look at it that way, then yes, it is. But for our children's sake, and this is where my personal agenda comes in, for our children's sake, we at least got to put somebody in there where where it's, it's, it's safe. It will not be safe if this man makes it to the White House. We will, we will not be safe. And it's been so long since we have lived under a regime like that. It's been so long since we've had a true racist in the White House that we forgot what it is. We forgot what it looked like. We think, well, we just go along with our lives. No, our lives will change. Reagan wasn't even close to what this man is. Bush wasn't even close to what this man is. And he used to be head of CIA. I'm not talking about the son. I'm talking about the father. Okay? He wasn't. We don't. It, we, have, we haven't had somebody like this white boy in office in so long. That it hasn't even been in my generation. I was a child, and it and it's making me just a little bit nervous when the white boys that's supposed to be on his side are nervous. Then I get a little nervous. Okay, when when the, the, the head of the Senate and the Speaker of the House. And the majority leader of the Senate and the Speaker of the House, both Republicans, sit up there and 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 say that they they they, they are denouncing Donald Trump. Who ever heard of that? He went in by double digits, and they are denouncing him, saying that something needs to be done, and that they they are against what what is happening in their party. When those major boys, Ryan, I think his name is the white boy's name is. When they start going against and they getting nervous, then I'm getting a little nervous. Now I'm a little nervous. Because they're saying it's a destruction of the party. The governors, they want everybody, all these big white, big political white boys, all these Republicans getting together. What are we going to do about Donald Trump? Yeah, I'm getting a little nervous. If they don't know what to do, because it's like it's like it's like a snowball, and by the time they realized that this is what was going on, it was too late. Okay, this is Mama Dina, Mama Donna Aina Aluwasi, and you were listening to another segment of the Mind Beneath the School. Uh, if you're up. And you're listening to me rant about this thing because I'm getting ready to put that down. Uh, call me, 516-418-5575. Again, that's 516-418-5575. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about Chapter 5 of the Miseducation of the Negro 
by uh, ancestor Dr. Carter Woodson. Um, Chapter 5 was dealing with the failure to learn to make a living. Um, I'm going to play a little something, and then when we come back on the other side, um, we're going to have a little discussion about it and can maybe continue this uh, next week.
okay, then you were ready for higher learning. And that Greek culture and 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 Roman culture preceded any kind of culture. And 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 when you couldn't get away from Egyptian culture, you made them white and turned it into the Middle East. I can't. It that's what oppressors do. They change things to fit their scenario. So now Egypt was white, maybe a little tan. You've seen the movies. You've seen the book. They're a little tan. And now the savages was from the middle of Africa, right there where the equator was. And then when it was found by no shadow of a doubt that that is where civilization began, you had a little black woman that they found named Lucy, that's why they could never find a missing link because she was never missing. That's where civilization began. And it began in Africa right there at that equator. Then, of course, the Middle East got a little bigger. And then the scenario changed a little bit. But See, hopefully by this time we will have caught up with what we know to be the Sangai Empire, the Mali Empire, okay, the the, the, the Moors. Okay, the the great revolutionary the, of, of the Haitian Revolution, so on and so forth, that we come from a great people. But in Dr. Woodson's book, what he is basically discussing is that back in the day, which is still true now, those who were educated, and once they became educated and they came out, and now he's basically talking about businessmen and women that they couldn't go back to their communities to do what it is that they know. You know, like he was talking about sisters that went to school and college and when they came out, they wasn't going to go back to being washerwomen like their mothers. You know, brothers wasn't going to go back even though it may have put them through school, shining shoes. They weren't going to go back to shining those shoes. But what Dr. Woodson says in Chapter 5 is that we should have went back to what it is that we know and built upon that. Nobody said that you had to go back and be a washerwoman, and I quote, the Negro girl who goes to college hardly wants to return to her mother if she is a washerwoman, but this girl should come back with sufficient knowledge of physics and chemistry and business administration to use her mother's work as a nucleus for a modern steam Laundry. There you go. And that ain't rocket science. Well, wait a minute, Mom. You know, the, the white people, see, because, you know, we're still talking about lazy white folks. They try to make us lazy, but it wasn't us. We came over here to do the work. So when we stopped doing the work, you know, after slavery ended and we stopped doing the work, somebody had to do it, and laundry came in. She said, wait a minute, Mom. Well, how are we going to multiply that? Because that right there put me through school. How could we build upon that? That's how Madam C.J. Walker did it. She went back to hair. She went back to that which she knew. It isn't rocket science. Why you want to go out there, as he continues, a white professor of of a university recently uh, resigned his position to become rich by running a laundry for Negroes in a southern city. 
a Negro college instructor would have considered such a suggestion an insult. That's how come people always move into black neighborhoods and make money. That's how come dollar stores are owned by Koreans and Vietnamese. That's how come whoever is new to America, the first place I swear there is somebody with a book. How to make money really quick and get loans really fast. Go to black neighborhoods. Nails. Feet. Hey, I I don't understand it. I don't understand it. And it is always in the black community that they make their fortunes, move out to the suburbs, because if you go to the suburbs, the surrounding suburbs, like the one that I just left, like Cherry Hill, it's getting darker. That's where they're moving. Indians, you know the ones that run all the, 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 the Dunkin' Donuts and the and the uh, gas stations. See, we too good for that also. See, it hasn't changed. They don't mind pumping gas. All them people with them the, 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 that have the uh, Chinese stores at the, at the corner. All of these little stores and shops that you see, all these nasty stink little little stores that that these kids buy all these these, these the candy from and everything like that, and they move their families over here, and then they move to the suburbs, and then they let somebody else take over that store, and then they 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 open up another store. I don't know how that happens. People, my time is running nigh. I want to thank you for joining me this hour. Uh, please stay tuned next week when we will have a larger discussion about uh, law enforcement and our youth in our schools, uh, talk a little bit more about um, curriculum, but basically we're going to be talking about law and order and how it affects our children. Take care, peace, be safe, and I will see you and talk to you next week on The Mind Beneath the School. And yes, y'all, you are now in tune to the sound of the legendary foundation. And it was all a